Welcome to episode five of the Orange Podcast. In this episode, I got the pleasure to speak with Jeannie McCarville. She is a client of the Orange Shoe Madison downtown location. She has been at that location since 2013. It was great chatting with Jeannie and learning more about her, as well as hearing why she bleeds orange and has stayed a part of the Orange Shoe community for as long as she has. She even shared with me something that most people don't know about her. Enjoy meeting Jeannie McCarville. Hey, Jeannie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You are the first client um, to be the client spotlight episode. So thank you so much for stepping up to the plate and volunteering yourself to be the first client to be interviewed on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. I sure appreciate it. Yeah, Ryan has talked uh, greatly about you in the email that he sent me, and um, he said that you would be a perfect person to have on the podcast. So I'm excited to learn a lot about you and um, along with um, all our, our clients and listeners. So um, let's just go ahead and start off with uh, you just telling us a little bit about you, kind of paint the picture of um, kind of where did you grow up um, and where did you end up going to school and kind of like your early passions as a young kid? Sure. Well, I grew up and continue to live in Spring Green. So for those folks that may not be familiar with with Spring Green, it's a small town about uh, 45 minutes from the west side of Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, on, we're west of Madison on Highway 14. So some people may know Spring Green uh, via some of the local attractions we have. We have American Players Theater, um, House on the Rock. We're right near the Wisconsin River. So there's lots of canoeing and camping in our neck of the woods. Yeah, so, Taliesin uh, too. Taliesin, yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so lots of cool stuff, especially in the summer. Um, I uh, went to college at UW-Whitewater, and I have a uh, business degree. In... Same here. I was a Whitewater alum, too. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> go Warhawks. <laughs> yeah, great campus. I love that school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, My focus was in marketing, and so graduated from there and didn't necess- necessarily intend um on making spring green my home, but as I interviewed and things developed, that's where I'm at. And I'm loving it. Cause I have a lot of connection here. Like yeah, I, that's said, awesome. I grew up here. Yeah, so your roots, yeah, your roots are probably pretty deep there being a small community. Exactly. That's awesome. And um, when you were growing up, what were your, your, like your early passions growing up? Was it always um, kind of like that marketing realm where you kind of, what kind of drew you to that? And if you were to uh, be living your childhood dream, what would be the job that you would be doing right now? <laughs> um, I think I, I kind of had a focus um, or I had a business of some sort in mind as I grew up. My grandfather um, developed his own business and my father worked with him. And so uh, I feel like that kind of helped frame my, my desire to do, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had a love of music. And so okay. all through uh, like elementary and high school, I played in our, our band, um, played French horn. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So pretty cool instrument. Um, and through that, I uh, I would play in a lot of the orchestra pits during okay. our high school because we always had a musical, a high school musical every year. And um, I'd watch my friends on stage and I, I would be pretty envious of how much fun they looked like they were having. <laughs> but that was something I never tried. So my senior year, I actually went to auditions at the encouragement of some of my um, my schoolmates and um I sang happy birthday <laughs> to audition for a role in the musical. And I did make it into the cast. So oh, awesome. Didn't have a specific role, but I was part of the ensemble. But yes, I was pretty stoked about that. So um, theater has been something since then that actually I've, as an adult, um, 
grown to love. I've I, um, spent 10 years locally here in Spring Green on our community theater board and helped to create shows. Um, and I currently uh, work seasonally at American Players Theater. So uh, as a uh, front of house person. Okay. Um, so um, kind of come full circle. I've never done anything professionally. I have been on stage a little bit just in our community shows. Yeah. Um, but it's a good outlet. It's a good way to connect with people in your community. And I certainly learned a lot about um, theater during my um, community theater days because you're such a small, close-knit group. You have to work together and you wear lots of hats, mm -hmm. you know, so I've stage managed and directed and acted and hunted for props at garage sales and um, I think done almost anything you can think of to help put a show on. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like the, yeah. Uh, we have a bunch of clients that are uh, love going to America's Players Theater there. And they're really hoping that all that comes back this year due to COVID. They really missed it last summer. And um, they, you know, they're always going out there to watch shows. And they've spoken so highly of all these shows that are get put on there and how professional they are and how well done they are. So I think everyone's kind of excited and fingers crossed that maybe um, it comes back um, this summer or, or towards the fall to at least get a couple, get a couple shows in. Yeah, right now, uh, the intention is to have six shows. And the first of those is... Uh, previewing this weekend mountaintop, oh, really? mountaintop in the touchstone theater so the indoor space is gonna have the first show and then up the hill is gonna open in a couple of weeks awesome i'll have to let my clients know hopefully yeah. um, if they don't yeah. know that already that'd be that'd be that'd be uh they'd love to hear that and then taliesin we have a client who actually works for uh at taliesin and she does like wow. hr there so um so i'm always kind of checking in with her and how that's going and the process of them hiring all their you know um, seasonal work staff for the tours and whatnot and you know, I've actually never, never been to tell yes and then taken a tour. So I'm going to have to head out there this year and do that because um, I think it's just probably a really cool and there's, it's got a really cool story if no one's known the story about the murders that happened there and all that stuff. So like with the, um, the, the family and all that, it's uh, so it's a really, really cool um, area and I've actually asked our um, client if there had been any people who have seen any sort of ex, you know like uh, ghosts or any stories of like weird things happening there and um and she goes yeah you'll hear some stories about people that have like weird experiences in, in the house and things like that and so I just need to get there and um, kind of go see that myself yeah supposedly there are, there are people that reported that there's no one in the house but when when they've been on property or driven by at night they see a light on Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Ooh. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause then, and then there's students that live there. Right. Because it's like a full-time, like it's a school. And so don't they have like architectural students that live there for a majority of the year too. So I wonder if them have, have ever experienced anything. Yeah. The typically the students will be in spring rain between May and uh, I think like October, mm -hmm. and then they'll go to Frank Lloyd Wright's other estate, which is in in the Scottsdale area in Arizona okay. and spend the winter there. Yeah. 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 So that's gotta be uh, pretty interesting. I love doing those like ghost tours and stuff at different cities. <laughs> you know, we did one in Chicago and um, you do them in different cities and it's just really interesting to, um, to kind of just hear the stories uh, behind a lot of this stuff. And you kind of learn a lot about the history of the city. Like the Chicago one was really fun. Um, the tour guide was a little, little kind of um, he just talked a lot. 
And so there was a lot of people that were just like left after the first stop that we made because you hop on like a big Greyhound bus and they drive around the city. You get out, they talk about something, you hop back on and you go somewhere else. And the first stop, I mean, he just kept talking and talking and you see people just like walking off being like, yeah, we're going to the local bar. Like I can't listen to this guy talk anymore. But it was it was really interesting to learn a lot about the city and, and the history, um, especially with like a city like Chicago where there is just so much history. Um, so yeah, that would be um, fun if uh, Taliesa did something like that, a little ghost tour and kind of told that story. That's uh, a good idea. You should tell your client that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool, like at night or maybe on the eve of the murders, you know, like that when that actually happened, you know, kind of do it at, at night on the same day or the eve or something. It would kind of just bring that, that energy there. It'd be kind of fun. They did for, I think at least one season, um, there was a book that came out uh, in recent in recent past that was written from the viewpoint of uh, Mayma Cheney, who was Frank Lloyd Wright's mistress. Okay. And that was the woman, her two children were killed in that fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did a tour kind of based off that book. So, okay. so they would see actually where Mayma was buried. And yeah. Um, so that's the closest, I guess they've come to maybe a ghost tour, but yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Really interesting <laughs> history. And I, I recommend anybody kind of reading that story and then making like a little summer trip out of it and heading over to Taliesin and, uh, and seeing it for yourself. So tell us a little bit about what you currently do for work. Sure. Um, my full-time work is, uh, that's how I came to be in downtown Madison. I work uh, for the Department of Administration um, and I'm a member of the State Bureau of Procurement. So procurement, a fancy word for purchasing for those who, d- who don't know it. Uh, <laughs> and so our, our mission is to, um, we're kind of, um, we kind of are the keepers of the procurement rules. Uh, we help the other agencies make sure we're following all the policies and state statutes that surround purchasing for the state of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, a part of my job is to, I have certain commodities and services that I oversee. And so I'll create um, the contract documents and put those out for bid. And then w- when they're awarded, I manage the contract after that fact. So for all the agencies and campuses and any um, possibly uh, municipalities or counties may take advantage of some of these contracted services too. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have things like, um, I have all the fuel contracts. So think propane, motor mm-hmm. fuel, fuel oil. Okay. We, uh, even aviation fuel for the state has a, a few uh, planes in the fleet. Uh, folks like DNR, DOT might uh, take advantage of those planes for certain things. Okay. Um, um, and, um, governor and his staff, if they need to fly somewhere for some reason, they, they would utilize one of the state planes. Gotcha. Um, I have solid waste and hazardous waste. So some large um, waste contracts there. Um, mm-hmm. hazardous, hazardous waste um, might involve medical waste. So you, you may be uh, dealing with um, some of our inmate facilities for that or um, the DHS for the health institutions that they support okay. um, campus. Uh, whether it's a hospital or um, lab services, because there's lab waste mm-hmm. um, and solid waste and recycling, just general um, yeah. trash from the downtown facilities. Yeah, so it seems like you yeah. juggle a lot. <laughs> seems like there's a lot of a uh, lot of lot of balls in the air at, at, at any point, and you got to kind of keep your tabs on all of them. Yeah, I would agree. Right, you may be like right now. I'm in the middle of drafting what we call an RFB, a request for bid, for my solid waste contract. But then on top of that, daily things pop up with the other contracts I manage. So then you may have to, you know, do a little firefighting to mediate a solution for a situation that's ongoing or occurring, or 
um, someone calls and goes, ah, I ran out of fuel. Can you help me get fuel? And so then, <laughs> you know, he, you jump in and, and take care of that. So yeah. how long have you been doing this? Um, I've been with the Bureau of Procurement for a little over four years now. Okay. Um, I've been a state employee for almost 14. Okay. Uh, so I worked a little bit at DNR prior to coming to DOA. Okay. Uh, and, um, I was at their, um, print procurement specialist. So that meant, um, I took care of, um, say all the wildlife wrecks, uh, state park stickers, uh, anything you can imagine that would be printed by an agency like that. Gotcha. Uh, Cause printing is treated a little differently, believe it or not. Uh, it's in the state constitution that, um, unless it's on a contract, every project that's printed must be put out for bid. Okay. So it's a little different than some of the other, um, purchasing uh, activities that take place. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's get into um, Orange Shoe. And so um, prior to the uh, prior to me pressing record, I was kind of asking you how long you've been with Orange Shoe and you've been with Orange Shoe since 2013. So you've been with Orange Shoe longer than I have. You've been with Orange Shoe longer than probably the majority of the people that are going to listen to this podcast. So kind of talk to us about just kind of talk about your orange shoe experience. Like how did you find orange shoe? Maybe what were you doing before orange shoe? Um, which made you kind of maybe start looking for other avenues of fitness and kind of just kind of paint your orange shoe journey, paint that picture for us. Sure. Um, well, like I mentioned before, you know, in, in, uh, high school, I was into to music. So I was more of the band geek, mm-hmm. not necessarily, um, not necessarily, you know, on the field, or on the basketball court. Yeah, they're not um, making you do shuttle sprints at your French horn, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I go past a UW marching band, you see them over um, over there like, practicing and stuff, and holy cow, I mean, they're getting a workout, which they got to be in tremendous shape because, I mean, they're marching and doing all sorts of stuff on the field out of breath, and then you still got to have the energy to, you know, blow into your instrument to make a sound. Right. And so they got to be in tremendous shape. And some of those practices, I'm like, that looks worse than a lot of things that I do for my, you know, myself. <laughs> so I couldn't even only imagine what those guys are going through, but yeah, definitely in high school, they're not making you do shuttle sprints with your French horn. No, no. Uh, we, my senior year, we did have, um, my last band director actually graduated from UW Madison. So he had us marching in that style and yes, <laughs> it is, it is definitely, yeah definitely a workout especially the um, parades did you ever do any parades you know growing up with the instruments you know and i see and you know you see the bands the, the bands and the parades and like that you got to get conditioned for that right yeah and he, he even i think had us doing the the little movements that you might see some bands do where they're flipping their horns or doing these kinds of things so yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so i wasn't I, not that i was not active but i i wasn't i would say extremely active, especially in my early adulthood. Once I graduated college, got into working a regular schedule, I was uh, working for a grocery wholesaler. And um, if anyone has been in the grocery business, you know that 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 can lead to a lot of hours. I was working easy 50, 60 hour weeks. And so I really wasn't incorporating a regular exercise routine. Um, And At some point along that path, uh, I have a family history of diabetes. Um, In my early 30s, I was showing diabetic signs. And so then from then they were watching me and slowly over time, I was controlling it with medicine. Um, But I got to a point probably around about the age of 45 where like a lot of us, right? As we age, things change. And suddenly Mm -hmm. my labs weren't weren't so hot anymore. And um, 
my doctor's like, you know, you could continue down this path. And at some point you're probably going to have to take insulin, you know, or who knows what else, or you can make a change. And I left the office and I was pretty scared, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be honest. And, and my father struggled with diabetes and he eventually actually uh, lost a leg to the disease. And so at that point I was pretty motivated to try to make a change. And at that point, um, I'd been working downtown for probably about two years. And so every day on my walk to and from where I caught my ride, I'd pass one West Main and I'd see the sandwich boards outside. Uh, outside. Yeah. And so all these motivational sayings, right? And and um, it just made me stop and think like, well, I wonder what this orange shoe is about. And maybe like this would, this should be something I should investigate. And mm-hmm. and so I did. I made the call and and um, met Lauren and the and the trainer at that time, Ben. And they you know showed me around and did some assessments. And um, it, this was something I'd never done before. Um, my, my exercise might have been, yeah, I went to a gym and I'd ride a stationary bike or I'd um, maybe walk on the treadmill, but that was kind of the extent of it. And so. Um, so yeah, it was a, maybe a little scary, honestly, like this is something new, but I also felt like the time was right. I needed to change things up. I knew I had to be doing something different or like the doctor said, I was going to be heading down a whole nother road. So, so that's what got me started. Yeah. You found you hit those crossroads, right? You got, you know, pretty much given an ultimatum and, and then you, and you almost have this thought. It's like, oh, this is my choice. This is my decision. You know, this is completely up to me, whether I go right to insulin or do I go left and, you know, make change and prevent all that, you know? And I feel like there's a lot of times where people get to that, get to that point where they're given this like ultimatum of, but it's, it's sometimes it's hard to make that decision because it's hard to think that it's hard to think that far into the future. Some, for some people it's like, Oh no, this will never affect me. I'll be fine. I'll be good. And you don't realize how fast, you know, like you said, your labs for one moment, your labs are fine because of age. And then you become 45, you get your labs in and you're like, whoa, what just happened? What's happened? Right. You know, it's like, it just, <laughs> and then that, that time frame went by so fast. Like, so life can really pass us really fast. And um, so, yeah, that was awesome that you kind of like took that chance. And you, like you said, it is scary. It is scary to do something um, that you're not comfortable with especially working out when you've never really done it your entire life. It's a scary step. Now it's always tell people like the hardest step about going to the gym, the hardest part about going to a gym is just walking through the front door. And then once you get into that front door, it's those people that you meet and the trainers that you meet that really make you feel comfortable. And um, that's why I think the benefit of personal training is, is I think that's such a great way for people to start who have never done this before. Because if there, I always say there's a lot of gyms, especially like when you go to college and whatnot, you get access to the first time in your life, you get access to the state of the art facility, but the, but most of us don't know how to use that equipment. So just like you said, you just hop on the stationary bike or hop on the treadmill or whatever, something that was very safe because you're like, okay, I know how to walk or I know how to pedal that bike. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't move the needle in the right direction. And it gets really boring because you're just doing the same thing. And then it's just easy to not want to go anymore or do it again. And, um, and so, cause you're like, you're like, you see all the fancy equipment, you see the dumbbells, you see the people doing deadlifts and doing things that you're like, wow, that looks fun or that looks interesting, but I don't know how to do it. And I don't want to hurt myself. 
And so then we kind of all kind of hang out in the cardio section. And, uh, but a personal trainer can now introduce you to the other stuff in the gym in a safe manner and then pique your interest to the point where now working out doesn't seem like I have to do it. I get to do it. And it's like, it's fun now because you get to do more things. And how did Lauren and Ben kind of knock down some of those fear walls that you had built up or make you more comfortable? I think first and foremost, like um, they made me feel so welcome and comfortable and um, in seeing the space and then, you know, seeing some of the clients, um, I felt like I've never been involved. I'm going to call it a community because it does feel like a, a, a community and everybody there seems so supportive. Like as I started, um, they were very encouraging. You know, they would, um, some of them knew I was, you know, working toward a goal and everyone was like, either cheering you on or saying, Hey, you're, you're looking great. Or it was just, that felt so, so, um, different from any other place I'd ever been to. Mm -hmm. And I so appreciated that. Um, and you know, I, I got some tools like, um, Ben encouraged me to start using, uh, my fitness pal to track mm -hmm. my food. And so then there's some accountability to everything that you're, you know, putting in your mouth. <laughs> and try to make better choices that way, you know? Um, and I think also um, I was more accountable now, right? Like I started off and I still continue to do four Prestos a week. Okay. Uh, um, that was the plan. I, I, really, I guess I really at first wanted the um, personal training, you know, eyes on me, helping me and adjusting and meeting me where I was at, which was great too, right? Um, cause I was, you know, starting from this place, yep. but, um, uh, and, um, I, I mean, I've taken some classes and the classes are great. Um, but I guess I continue to like the f individual focus and attention yeah. and working on things that I can do too. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that was a great way to make progress and then come up with along the way, just come up with new things. Like once I, to be honest, it, I, it was a little scary. I would before my sessions be like, Oh my gosh, what are they going to make me do today? <laughs> but yet That's there was every also... client, every client I ever worked with. They're like on the way to the gym every single day. I'm always trying to guess about what you're going to make me do today. Yeah. Let's see. We did mountain climbers last time. So you think he's going to, yeah. It's like... <laughs> I can't do mountain climbers two days in a row. Right? Like that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there would be some of that, but also, you know, once you, you kind of get past that and you know where you're headed and you see some progress, I think then for, at least for me, it was like, uh, wow, I can't wait till 1130 today. Cause that's typically when I train. So like I, I'd be clock watching at work, like, yeah. oh, is it time to go to orange shoe? And I also felt like, it, um, especially where it kind of hits in my day. I, I try to do it around my lunchtime. My, my supervisors have been great about being supportive that way about it. Um, it's a good break. Like, um, I find like if I'm working on a challenging subject at work and I just feel like, gosh, am I ever going to figure this out? And then I go to orange shoe and I get my workout in and afterwards it's like this weight's been lifted. Like, Oh, I feel so much better. I'm so glad I did that. And you know, if I can do that, I can do anything. And I really feel like it's a great like mental health booster too. You know, you go back to work feeling that's like the main and, reason I work out is, is yeah. the mental health. Like there is so much to getting in a great workout 
And before the workout, you don't want to do it. After the workout, you're so, <laughs> you're so glad you did. It's amazing how that those endorphins and that energy level, and it just clears your head and, and working out at your lunch break is like perfect because right around when you're working out is when everyone kind of falls into that like natural lull of the day where like you start to get really tired you know, lunch, you eat, you eat lunch, the food's in your stomach and you start to get tired and you start to kind of fall into that slump at work where you don't feel like you're as sharp, as creative. You're not thinking, you know, like you were when you were at eight o'clock or eight 30 in the morning, but then you come in, you get a great workout and you go home and it just breaks up your day so naturally that you go back to work and you're just kind of feeling rejuvenated. You feel good. You were able to clear out your mind or you're able to work out some of that stress that maybe you got a, you know, a bunch of emails that just kind of like landed on top of you that kind of came out of the blue and just really stressed you out. And then you go to the gym and they're like, Hey, we got ball slams today. And you're like, yes, I'm breaking that <laughs> ball today because I am pissed. Like, I'm like, I'm thinking about the 48 emails that I got today within six minutes. And I'm about to like, I'm going to break this ball. And it's just a, such a great healthy outlet compared to, you know, drinking 28 ounces of Coca-Cola or going to the break room and grabbing three donuts or something like that. It's such a healthier alternative and it's way more sustainable. And the energy you're going to have from that is going to carry on so much longer than a quick sugar spike or something like that. And um, for those that can't work out during their half hour or during their you know hour lunch, I always recommend just getting out of your office so if you're at your office and right now, most of us are home. So if you're home, get out of your house and eat your breakfast out or your lunch outside or go for a walk for 20 minutes, come back, then eat your lunch or eat your lunch, then go for a walk, like getting outside and getting some fresh air and walking and moving your body is such a great idea and such a great thing to do to just break up your day. And sometimes the most simple things such as walking seems so simple that people don't think it works for health. Like there's no way walking, I'm going to see that many results from it or great results from it. It's the simple things that reap the best benefits. And um, just because they're so simple doesn't mean that you could just pass them by. And I think the simple things are what we all need to get better at. And when you start stacking all these simple things on top of each other, it just really supercharges everything that you do. And um, so like a great walk, if you can't work out at that time, it's just like another great way to just get that movement in to just re refresh you and feel good. So what, um, let's talk about some obstacles, you know, so every client always has obstacles that they run into, right? And that's life. We run into obstacles in, in every aspect of our life. You might be on cruise control for a little bit, but inevitably you're going to hit a wall. And, and those that keep progressing forward are the ones that hit the wall instead of getting frustrated and mad and now reverting back to bad habits, they realize they hit the wall they learn new skills or they ask new questions or they seek more help. And then pretty soon the things that they learn provide them a ladder to lean up against the wall, crawl over that bad boy and just continue trucking <laughs> forward. And so I think it's going to be really great for clients to just kind of um, on this podcast, I want to talk about those obstacles, maybe talk about some, maybe some specific, specific obstacles you've ran up to in your health and fitness journey. And then how have you overcome those obstacles? Like, what did you have to learn? What questions did you have to ask? What changes did you have to make in order for you to go find that ladder and get over that wall? Well, wow, great question. Yeah, I my, my exercise journey has definitely not been a straight road. Um, so, wow, I within a couple of years of after 
coming to Orange Shoe, I felt like I was on top of the world. I was like, I think in the probably my best shape ever. I was able uh, within actually a relatively short period of time, just by exercising more and watching what I was eating, I got off all of my medicine for diabetes, That's awesome. cholesterol. Yeah. And I, uh, at, at my best point, I had dropped about 65 pounds. Holy um, smokes. Congrats. Yeah. That is huge. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It was, like I said, I, um, really felt great and, uh, was so really pr proud of how I did that. I mean, my doctor like actually hugged me and said, most people aren't able to do what you did, you know, and it's not easy. And it, but it's, and I had a lot of people telling me, oh, Jeannie, yeah, that's a nice thought, but you know, I don't know, you can't really kick diabetes to the curb. But I, I wasn't going to give up. I was yeah, gonna, you, you proved know. them wrong because you can, you know, you can. And then here's the great thing is that like your doctor gave you a hug because you did it. <laughs> That's the thing. Like we do, no one gives themselves credit. And like, that's the biggest thing is like when it comes to our health and our weight and those, those lab numbers and things like that, that is everything that you have control over. Your doctor really can't do much for you besides here's a pill. And right. for most of us, we don't want pills. You know, that's just a band aid. That's not actually fixing the issue in which caused the problem in the first place. And I, you know, it's, it's like understanding that you did it, Jeannie. Like the doctor didn't do anything. All he did is tell it was tell you that, hey, you're on a bad path. And now it's up to that person when the doctor tells you you're on a bad path to make that decision when you walk out of that office and you did. And that is freaking awesome. Like you took it, you grabbed it by the horns and you like took ownership of it and you made the changes that you need to do. And even though it was hard and we know sometimes we have to give up things that we really enjoy doing or like, but it's for the better, right? Our greatest wealth is our health. And that is like amazing. So yeah, like you did it, Jeannie. Like that was awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it, it felt really great. So then, um, and, beca and because of what I was doing at Orange Shoe and others around me, um, I was inspired to do other things or pick other goals. And so for example, there was a client that uh, was into running at the time and I had talked about running and, and thought that maybe I should do a 5k one day, but I hadn't really like made that leap. And so she encouraged me. Uh, she found a, a couch to 5k program that was going to be in downtown. And so it was something we could do on our lunch hour when we weren't doing orange shoe. And so, uh, yeah, I ran my first 5k with her and then I, then I started off running on top of what I was doing at orange shoe. So I was, just super excited. And then um, about three years into my running experience, I started developing an issue with my left leg mm -hmm. and I didn't know what was going on and it just continued to get worse. And um, finally, after seeing a sports doctor and uh, going through some physical therapy, wasn't getting better, I had myself x-rayed and found out I had arthritis in my left hip mm. to the point where there at 50, they're like, you're going to need a hip replacement. <laughs> okay. I was shocked. I was blown away. And, and it was kind of devastating to me just because, I mean, after that, they're like, you really shouldn't run at least right now. So I, I, I loved running. I was very passionate about it and I had to give it up. Mm -hmm. um, I still don't run because my orthopedic surgeon doesn't want me to. Okay. Um, and uh, did you so, have the hip replacement or do you still... I did have the hip replacement. I didn't do it right away. And 
but then probably within a year of being diagnosed with that situation, I was, I was in a lot of pain. It was getting worse. It was affecting my workouts, you know, um, orange shoe definitely helped train around that and do what we could do, but it just Mm -hmm. got to be a point like I, and actually, um, I I had to actually kind of do that on my own, my sports medicine doctor. I mean, bless him. He loved running too. And so I think he understood how I, how I was feeling about the situation and didn't quite have the heart, I think, to connect me with an orthopedic surgeon, but I researched that, figured it out, got hooked up with someone. And, um, and that was October of, uh, 2018 that I had a total left hip replacement. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like how they can, I mean, surgery like that is just mind blowing how they can just completely like take your hip out and give you a brand new one. And it's unbelievable. And then the recovery (laughs) process is fairly quick, you know, like they have you in physical therapy pretty quickly after that hip replacement. And it's amazing how um, I've worked with clients who've had hip replacements where three, four weeks after the surgery, they're back in the gym and we're modifying movements and we're getting them back moving and getting them back working towards their goals. It's unbelievable how, how resilient the body is and how fast it could like just heal from such a, an invasive surgery. I mean, you get some pretty big scars from that. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, yeah, I was definitely nervous about surgery, but I knew I had to do something cause I couldn't, I couldn't live like this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, I had surgery like on a Monday morning, like 10 and by like three that afternoon, they're like, okay, Miss McCarble, get on up. We're going for a walk. I was like, we are. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Are you yeah. like pushing me? Like, am I staying in this bed and you guys are like pushing me? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, they were actually kind of surprised at how well I was moving for just having had that surgery, but and I mean, that's your something- training, you know, all the hard work you put into it, right. You had the musculature to support that. Um, someone who goes in with maybe no training, um, would have a much harder, you know, um, recovery process. Absolutely. I tell everybody that, uh, will listen when they have had, and since then I've had a lot of people approach me about, I need a hip replacement or I need a knee replacement or, and yeah, that's something I've told them. I said, I feel so fortunate that I was already putting in some work with orange shoe because it put me in the best position I could be going into surgery. And I know it definitely helped on the other side of it too, because, um, I went, they had me in physical therapy the next morning. So 24 hours after the surgery, I'm in a room with (laughs) half a dozen other people who went through the similar, similar thing. And we're doing what they're asking. And they're like, Oh, wow. Look at her climb those steps or, Oh yeah. You're (laughs) after that, they looked at me and said, you're going home today. (laughs) I was like, I just had a new hip foot in 24 hours ago. Yeah. All those other people that were in there were like, get her out of here. This is like, (laughs) like, she's unmotivating us because she's in here just killing it. Granted, I was probably the youngster of the group. Okay. It was pretty, it was was pretty, I mean, I think it is pretty rare for someone my age to have arthritis to that point. Um, There's definitely an older demographic in the room. But still, that made me feel good just knowing I had that kind of um, ability after the surgery. And so I ha- had the surgery on a Monday. And by Thursday, I was ditching the walker and walking with a cane. So again, I attribute all that to all the work I did at Orange Shoe before. And then I think I came back to Orange Shoe probably within three to four weeks of surgery, yeah. kind of like what you were saying. And yeah, right. I wasn't um, doing box jumps, but uh <laughs> you know, we definitely found things that I could do. Um, and actually it was super great to have eyes on me because, um, I didn't realize it, but because of the pain I was in and how I was compensating for the, for the hip uh, injury, um, 
after surgery, I had learned these bad habits. I wasn't walking properly. Mm -hmm. The trainers noticed just watching my body mechanics, like, whoa, you know, you're doing this, that, or the other. And so literally might sound, sound kind of interesting, but I would walk up and down the studio and they'd be like watching me and then giving me pointers on how I should fix my gait and Mm -hmm. walk a little better. So yeah, it's amazing when we start, you don't even realize it, right? You start compensating and that's everybody not even having injuries. We, we do things specific ways for a very long time. And then, you know, we start to overcompensate. And that's why we need to, when we train at Orange Hill, all our trainers, we make sure we're doing single leg movements and single arm movements just as much as we are doing double leg movements like squats or, you know, a, a barbell bench press compared to dumbbell bench press, right? It's, we got to make sure that we're evening out the body to create a whole body. And then, you know, making sure clients were putting them through assessments to check on that, to make sure are, are, are the legs evenly balanced and, you know, are we strong as a whole body? Because yeah, we could easily fall into these, these movement patterns and how we sleep every night. You know, we see this a lot with people with like how, you know, oh yeah, I sleep on my left shoulder pretty much every night because if I sleep on my back, I snore and then my wife punches me in the stomach in the middle of the night. So <laughs> I've learned over the years to sleep on my left side so I don't get punched in the stomach every night. And you start developing, you know, um, your shoulder starts, you know, movement pattern where your right shoulder moves really well, but then your left shoulder is really tight. You get some rotator cuff issues, you lose mobility and functionality of that shoulder. And it doesn't really, uh, you know, it doesn't really kind of, you know, uh, you know, the, the client doesn't necessarily think about that. And it's like, oh, it's due to how I sleep or how do I sit in my desk chair? How do I sit in my car? you know, all those little things that we do it repetitively, it's going to kind of start to change things. And that's like anything in life, right? The anything, whether it's good or bad, if you do it consistently, you're going to get, whether it's a good thing, you're going to get a good result. If it's a bad thing, you're going to get the bad results. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's the movement patterns are huge. Yeah, for sure. I, and definitely with this new hip now, I, I feel like I notice, or I try to be more mindful of how I'm sitting in my chair Mm-hmm. Um, or making sure I get up and try to move during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and yeah, and I, we continue to work on my, my hip in my sessions, um, mm-hmm. just finding ways to um, get more range of motion. I mean, um, I feel like, honestly, there's days where I don't even really remember I have a, an artificial hip. Yeah. I feel like I'm moving so much better. It took some getting, you know, it took some work getting back to it. That was a little frustrating, right? Right after, like, the first time doing mountain climbers when I could was like, oh man, I used to do these like no problem. <laughs> and now I'm at, t- at 15 seconds, I have to stop, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So th- that was a little frustrating for me having started where I did, got to where I got to and then surgery. And now you're kind of like, you talk about hitting the wall and then yeah, you regress a little yeah. bit, but it's all about, it's a mindset shift, right? It's, it's, it's a moment in time and it's right. uh, realizing that, you know, um, it, things are just moments in time and we're never always just going to maintain the highest level of fitness and always achieve higher and higher and higher and higher and never regress. You're going to regress. You're going to hit the holiday slump. You're going to have <laughs> COVID hit where you're stuck at home and, you know, we, we don't do as, as much movement and we all gain a little bit of weight. Like that's just life. We're going to ebbs and flows. And, and it's just all about mindset shift and understanding that, you know, understanding the current situation you're in and not being too tough on yourself and then making the changes where you know that you have control and the changes that you can make. 
Um, but understanding that like you could get right back to where you were. And um, as long as we're like, I always say it kind of like live the 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the time you're doing the right things. And 20% of the times you're doing the fun or maybe wrong things um, that you're always going to be trending in the right direction. It's when that flips, whereas when we really start to kind of start to dive in the wrong direction, but um, life is going to throw you um, curveballs all the time. And um, it's about finding um, finding what's knowing what's important to you and already having the answers to those obstacles. And that's really key. So, um, so this is a fun one. Um, everybody, every client at Orange Shoe has their favorite exercises to do. And then they want to have the ones that they just absolutely hate. And um, <laughs> I don't know if the downtown location has a, an assault bike. Um, um, but we at or in Wanakee, we have these uh, pieces of equipment called assault bikes. And um, everybody absolutely hates this bike. It's called the devil bike in the gym. It just wrecks you and your heart rate spikes and it's just exhausting. And um, so for most people in our gym, it's the assault bike is like their least favorite with like maybe the burpee following really close by. Uh, <laughs> and then everybody loves like all the strength stuff. Like people love bench pressing and doing, you know, the heavy lifting um, so tell us about your like favorite movements and then maybe some of the ones that if you never had to do them again, you're never going to question your trainer and you're never going to be like, Hey, like, uh, we haven't done burpees in like three months. Where are they at? I want to do them. Like, what are those movements for you? Okay. Now you got me wanting to try out that assault bike. <laughs> I love it because I always say like my, like, I hate that bike too, but I make myself do it because it hurts so bad that I'm like, if it hurts that bad, it's probably pretty good for me. So I like, I make myself do it, but um, yeah, it's a love hate relationship for sure. <laughs> oh, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that lifting is some of people's favorites because I have really um, gotten interested in, in, in lifting Mm -hmm. um, something again, I never thought I would do before coming to Orange Shoe, and then over time, um, I had discussions with trainers, and I think I, I think one of the first things I was trying was deadlifts, and mm -hmm. um, and then another trainer was working on squats with me, and another trainer was working on benching with me, and so before COVID, I mean, I think my best bench was 155, and my best deadlift was around 225 yeah girl yeah nice. I was I love it and yeah. then yeah and now uh you know now I don't have as much access to some of that equipment but um I do feel like um we found ways for me I have dumbbells and things yeah. and we you know we do the best we can I recently acquired a barbell I do not have plates yeah. but I have a barbell now so we've been having fun the last couple of weeks incorporating that into my Absolutely. I, I, since I'm still at home, I'm zooming from home. I've zoomed yep. orange through this entire pandemic and, yep. and thankful that I had that ability. What a great pivot, right? Like I, we had never done zoom ever before <laughs> and then COVID hit. It's like, Oh, looks like we got to go zoom. And, um, yeah, it was great. Um, all our clients were super appreciative of as well, because yeah, I mean, everyone was kind of wondering like, what am I going to do for working out over the next three months? Like right. I need that accountability. I need somebody to tell me what to do. Cause I'm way more effective that way. Like, and um, yeah, we just let all our clients take all our equipment home. We just like rented it out, let people come to the gym and grab dumbbells and kettlebells and all that stuff and take them home. So we could just continue Ron right where we left off. So yeah, that was another great thing that all the locations did such a good job with was pivoting you know, and uh, just keeping communication with our clients and letting them know that we're here to take care of you. We're going to Zoom and living the whole mantra of like something is better than nothing. And I think it was real easy for a lot of people to be like, I don't know, this Zoom workout thing is going to be weird, right? Like, I'm, I, is it going to be a good workout? Is it going to be worth it? But at the end of the day, it was 
whether the difference between you doing something or you doing nothing and something is always going to trump, right? Like it doesn't matter if it's just five minutes of just like push-ups and sit-ups because that's all the time you have that day. That is still better than the workout you didn't do. And um, I think that's exactly what zoomed in. And we had so many clients show up back on June one, when we opened the doors again for the gym and then the, the, the clients that were comfortable coming back into the studio, they came back and they were like, we started redoing workouts that they did before COVID to show them the effectiveness of what they did during COVID. And they were all tying their times or lifting similar weights and like, whoa, I didn't really lose a step. And it was because they put in the consistency of being like, I'm going to continue working out and then going to continue doing my sessions with orange shoe. And yeah, that's, that's super huge. So, and then you got the barbell, which is going to be awesome. You're gonna, <laughs> now you have to find some bumper plates to get at home. Right? Like, and you know, what's funny too, is I love it because you have, uh, especially like you, right. Growing up, not really into fitness, didn't really do a lot of it. Didn't play sports that brought you into the weight room to now where we have clients that grew up like that to now, like I call them gym rats now where they're like, they're outfitting their house with like barbells and like dumbbells. And they have this whole at home workout gym. And it's really cool to see. And you know, we have one, we have a client at Wanaki who she, when we, she first joined the gym, she was like, um, she was just like, never worked out in our day in her life. And, um, her daughter dragged her in and now it's to the point where like, she's been with us for a couple of years now and she's got equipment at home. She's waking up on her. So every morning with first thing she does when she wakes up, she gets on the ground and does three rounds of five pushups, 10 sit-ups and 15 squats. Like the first thing in the morning and she gets her day started with fitness. And she's like, guys, if you would have told me that I would have been somebody who would have worked out voluntarily at my house in the morning, first thing, and then I was going to be buying gym equipment and I was going to be, you know, working out as much as I am, I would have laughed in your face. And, and now she's like all for it. And so that is, that is awesome. Yeah. I feel like once you, once you start getting into it and get past, maybe if you have fears, if it's something you haven't done for a while, once you start doing it, I find that, yeah, I look forward to it. Like I said, I was a clock watcher or I just, yeah, I just look forward to moving and the release of it. Like we talked about earlier and just, yeah, it's it just becomes a part of you. Then you kind of crave it. I think, mm-hmm. um, um, and that's beats you, deadlifting, you know, like deadlifting, when you could like rip a heavy bar off the floor, isn't that empowering? Right. Isn't that so cool? Like something that you feel like is no way I'm going to pick that up. And then you do it. And it's just like, you just get this jolt of energy where you just like, uh-huh. you know, like I want to rip your shirt off or like, you know, like chest <laughs> bump right. your trainer. Right. You're just like, yeah, you feel like the Hulk. Right. It's just like such an empowering movement. Cause like, no, you pick up that 220. Now there's nothing in your life that you're going to come across that you just can't pick up off the ground, right? Because it's so functional, right? That 50 pound bag of salt at the grocery store. Like most people are like, Hey, I need my help, you know, loading this into my car, my grocery cart. And you're like, I got this. Like, and you just walk up and just pick it up and like throw it on your shoulder. And everyone's like, damn, like you see that woman, she just walked up and grabbed two bags of salt and just like rolled right out of here. Like that is so empowering because it's so functional, right? You don't have to rely on anybody. You can do it yourself. And that is I've noticed that a lot in my daily life. Just um, um, my yard work right now. You know, uh-huh. I, my my neighbor like called out to me last weekend, and she's like, "How long have you been outside?" And I said, "Oh, since about noon." She goes, "You know, it's almost five o'clock." I said, "Yeah, I've got a lot to do." She's like, "You should maybe take a break." And <laughs> <laughs> and but so I feel good that right. I I can move for that long a, a period yeah. of time and do many things and. I'm okay. And I wasn't, I could get out of bed the next day and I wasn't sore for, you know, because of it. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
That's, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. What are, <laughs> what are some, you know, um, you know, kind of getting into a little bit like non-fitness question, but what are, what are things that you're most excited about doing again now that we're on like on the back end of COVID, you know, this, this year has been really crazy for a lot of people. And what are you excited to just get back to doing, you know, now that, you know, what is the one thing that you really missed? And maybe for you, it's getting back into the gym, right? Cause you've been virtual. Like what are some of those things that you have really missed that you're excited to maybe add back into, add back into your life? Yes. I'm very excited to get back into the studio. It's looking like maybe um, July, if mm-hmm. things work out with my my job, at mm-hmm. least um, I may be uh, coming to Madison a couple three times a week. So yeah, with you being way out in Spring Green, it just doesn't you know make sense unless you're in in town. You know. Yeah, and I did come in maybe two or three times in this last year into the studio, and when I did, it was funny because the trainers would be like look at you. You're like a, a giddy schoolgirl because it just felt so good to be back in the gym. And then and it gave the, you that reason to leave your house and, yeah. and, Oh, look, there's the rowing machine. I missed you rowing yes. machine. You you're know? Like humming it as before, like yeah. you're like, you hate it, but now you're like hugging it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, looking forward to getting back in the studio, using some of the equipment that I haven't been able to personally at home. Um, yeah. Like getting back into some lifting some heavier weights and working toward that, some more goals that way. Um, I kind of been toying with the idea of maybe this is maybe a big goal, but maybe someday I could get good enough. I could compete somewhere. I think that would be fun and scary all at the same time, but yeah. a good way to, to push, you know, push the envelope a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Mode you want to compete in like a powerlifting, like a powerlifting meet? Yeah. Like a deadlift, yeah. bench press, squat meet? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> let me know. Let me know when you're in that bad boy. I'm I'm coming and screaming your name. Awesome. Um, yeah, that'd be super cool to see. Yeah, I always, I'll break out I mean, all my orange shoe swag and wear yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get you like an orange shoe singlet, you know, because they wear those like tight like singlets or oh. like, body suits. We'll get you one of those and you just, like, oh, that'd be sweet. I'd be there screaming or like, I'll, I'll be the person with the smelling salt that you sniff to like wake you up before they hit lifts or the people that smack you on the back to get you all fired up. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Okay. I'll take you up on that. Yeah. Let me know. Uh, I'm there. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I, uh, I miss the, I mentioned community before. There's a lot of clients that I've come to know on a first name basis and get to was seen almost daily, you know, yeah. and I, I miss them. And sometimes they'll like photo bomb the trainer when we're on zoom, like Gina. Yeah. Yeah. We do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm yeah. I can't wait to, um, yeah, just be back in the studio and see those folks and, and, and working towards some of my goals and having a little more equipment available to me. And, um, uh, and I guess if looking forward to things, something I've kind of started doing this spring, something I haven't really done before. And I was inspired by Ryan, my trainer, um, hiking. I never really went hiking. And so, you know, cause I'm not running now or not able to yeah. run it. I feel like it's some, it's another way to get me, uh, moving, but also outdoors and in beautiful settings. And so I've been going to state natural areas and looking at Absolutely. state parks. And so I got myself a real, my first ever real pair of hiking boots. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, now um, you can, you know, I mean, you were part of the, uh, the printing of all the states. So the state park passes, there you go. You there, get yourself yeah. one of the things that you are like are coordinating. <laughs> Absolutely. You can probably uh, print one for free for yourself, like right off. There you go. <laughs> Hot off the presses, right to the windshield. <laughs> Yeah, I, I need a sample. Uh. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah no hiking is amazing like actually me and my wife are uh kelly and i are going to be heading to probably devil's lake today um get there before the weekend rush because saturday sunday it's like a zoo there um, absolutely so, yeah getting there like on a friday and just getting out for a great walk and um, enjoying the fresh air in the spring here before it gets to the nasty humid weather that we get in the summer here and um mosquitoes. and then like yeah next time you're in um have you ever been to indian lake um, Indian Lake, uh, I think it's a, like a county park or a state park. Um, it's not state because you don't have to have a state park pass, but I think it's like a county or, but that's a really nice area. Um, it's in more, you know, right here in near Madison. Um, and uh, yeah, Mazomani kind of area. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great area. Nice 5k loop, very undulating and hilly. So like just walking it, man, you're huffing and puffing. And so I, it's a, it's a great little, great little walking area too. And they have a great dog park if you have dogs. Yeah, actually I, I think it was late February, we had a nice Sunday and I went out and uh, yeah, the trails were still a little bit sketchy, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I definitely want to take that loop around. It looks like the, the lake itself. It looks yeah, like yeah, you go down the driveway yeah. and then it's like even bigger. Yeah, yep. That's definitely, we, we were kind of scoping that out last time we were there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so um, kind of end with a little bit of a fun question. Um, what is something most people don't know about you? You know, it could be something really quirky, uh, maybe a, a hobby that you have, um, something that, you know, most people that like in normal conversation that isn't going to come up. Um, so what is that, Jeannie? I have actually been to race car driving school and have driven a race car at 150 miles an hour. What? <laughs> <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Holy smokes. Isn't that, it was just a, you know, happy accident. So I... I mentioned earlier that I worked for a grocery wholesaler early in my career. And uh, one of the commodities that I was purchasing was candy. And as it turned out, Hershey has a, either they support or are part of this race car driving school in Texas. And they had offered this opportunity to people much higher up the pay grade than me, but no one wanted to take advantage of it. And so I was given permission if I wanted to, to take a, take advantage of this opportunity it's like hell yes yeah so, so they flew me to texas on a friday saturday morning i spent half the day i've been spent saturday morning with like 12 other people in a race car driving school learned all about how to take the turns and draft cars and all this stuff and then the afternoon we donned our fire retardant suits and we they put us in a car with another driver experienced driver and we got to take turns running around the track drafting on each other getting in the tight turns and they would um for example the driver that sat next to me they were there to help you um and as i was getting into the turn he was pressing down on my right leg as i'm giggling because he wants me to stick my foot in that pedal right to get yeah the yeah more acceleration let's go girl oh <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it was the best that was the best time uh, so we get the car stopped and you know they go to you gotta crawl in and out yeah, through the window. And I get out and they're like, how'd you like that? I couldn't stop laughing and smiling. It was just, just the best. And so, oh, so they, awesome. yeah, so they saw I was having so much fun. So they then stuck, stuck me in the passenger side with another driver. And then another driver and another member of the class got in that car. And then we got to ride with them driving on the track, drafting each other. And we yeah. got super close to each other. Um, it was an adrenaline rush like no other, I'm sure. Oh my God, it was just the best, yeah. Oh, that's so, that's, so cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really neat. Like 150, and then 
and then now you're probably like driving on the belt line or driving you know from spring <laughs> green and you're just like just trying to fly around or trying not to prevent yourself from doing going that fast and <laughs> get out of my way i'm trained coming through i got this yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's super cool um yeah it was fun have you ever skydived no it's uh something i've thought of from time to time though I think yeah if you loved a... race car driving and that adrenaline rush and obviously you you are willing to take chances because hopping in a race car going 150 miles an hour you're you <laughs> kind of a risk taker which is awesome um i think skydiving would be right up your alley kelly and i did it a couple years ago i did it twice um with a couple months apart um and uh, kelly i got kelly to do it with me and um talk about a, an awesome adrenaline rush and a great experience. Like what are those moments when you, you can't like wipe the smile off your face, kind of <laughs> like you had where you get down. And I mean, obviously it's, it's nerve wracking. It's scary. And, um, the, the scariest part is literally all the waivers they make you film and I are you know, right out, you know, because like, yeah, I mean, they're asking you like, Hey, you know, you might die. And everyone's like, Oh, like, really? Like, is that a risk? And it's like, well, yeah, you know, like that's pretty much, every, you know? And so most people will bow out during that process of filling out the paperwork. Um, but man, did I, I felt safe hundred percent of the time and, um, it was a really great experience and nothing, nothing beat that just like adrenaline rush of like opening the door of the airplane and realizing that you're about to jump out of this thing and the whole process, the free fall, the, the parachute ride, the rest of the way down was just something that I think, you know, um, if you've ever thought about it, it's one of those things that I think really just kind of like just wakes you up a little bit. So you get done and it's kind of like, sometimes, you know, I think it's a great example of like doing something that pushes you out of your comfort zone so much. If you feel like you're getting into like a rut in your life where you're like, man, I've been doing the same thing on the hamster wheel. Like I just need something to just like jolt me with some energy and wake me up a little bit like skydiving is that thing and i just got an email from the place that i skydive from saying hey it's skydiving season like <laughs> come on back and i'm like all right like yeah i might have to do it again this year like it, it was just so fun and i think that's right up your alley that sounds awesome yeah i have to make that a uh, bucket list item let's do an orange <laughs> shoe skydiving thing because i know the more people you get like the bigger discount you get so if you get like 10 people or 20 people they let you bring grills and you could cook out and make a whole day of it and then you jump you know with two or three people at a time so you could jump with from people with your studio and like experience that together i think that'd be like a really fun kind of like um bonding thing i think that'd be really cool to do like an orange shoe skydiving for but. sure <laughs> That'd be awesome. Maybe we could all jump out of the airplane together and then hold hands and make like an orange shoe, you know, like the orange shoe symbol. Oh. And we like make that as we're falling. Wow. That'd be really cool. Talk about like marketing right there. Like the marketing brain you got, like that would be perfect. See, but then you'd have to get someone to try to film that. So then that could be the next orange shoe commercial. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Cause... Yeah. Cause they have, cause I got my first jump filmed. Um, and I'll, oh, shoot, wow. I'll shoot it over to you in an email so you can watch it and just like, it's, it's kind of like, it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, they, they'll, they'll definitely videotape it. Oh, wow. So then you were totally solo. There was no tandem. Oh, no, but there. they no. did do a tandem. Oh, I, oh, I, oh, oh. Catch me, so you jump with okay. me, the guy that's on my back and then, um, the camera guy. And so he kind of <laughs> jumps out before you, or he like hangs, like actually my camera guy was like literally like hanging on the wing, waiting for us to jump out. And then he let go of the wing and then got us falling. It was really, really cool. Holy cow. I yeah. <laughs> hanging on a wing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no fear there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, highly, highly recommended if uh, you're looking for something like race car driving to uh, get you um, 
I, you know, I almost wonder too, like which one would be safer in general? Like was the race car driving or skydiving? Like race car driving feels like there's a lot more that can go wrong with like spinning out or hitting a wall or whatever compared to like, you know, you don't really hear much about, you know, you know, skydiving. I mean, you know, I think it's just so many people jump per year and there's only, you know, I'm sure every year there's probably one or two or five people that die, I guess, per year. I don't know the actual statistics with that, but I would just think like the race car would be even, you know, a little bit more dangerous. I know the owner of the school was like super serious with us. Like you will follow these rules. If you damage one of my cars, I am coming for you. Like, I mean, he really will. I think that was just maybe like the scared straight talk just to make sure you were paying attention, paying attention, being safe and not, you know, being reckless with his property. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much um, for hopping on today. It was a, such a pleasure talking with you. It was so fun. And um, I'm excited for everybody to um, get to know you a little bit more. And um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. And um, I'm ready to watch you at your uh, first powerlifting meet. Let me okay. know when I'm there. <laughs> See, now I put it out there. It's got to happen. Exactly, right? That's the first <laughs> thing about setting goals, right? Is you got to put it out there. And now like every like month, I'm going to be emailing you like Jeannie, like what's the dates? I haven't got any dates yet. Like what's going on? <laughs> Another level of accountability. Awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, thanks for letting me talk about Orange Shoe today. It's, um, I definitely tell everybody I, I know that's ever asking for help or questioning me, you know, about how I got where, where I got to and definitely Orange Shoe's been a huge part of my life now and Mm -hmm. that's why I can't give it up because yeah yeah, I don't I don't see I don't see um making a change because it's just been such a huge made a huge difference for me yeah that's awesome and and thank you so much for being such an amazing loyal client and um and we're you know um I'm just so glad I got to meet you and um, I'm sure Lauren and Ryan love you to death. And, um, and yeah, just thank you for just bleeding orange and uh, we really, <laughs> we really appreciate it. So, well, thank you, Jeannie. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And um, hopefully one of these days I will be able to meet up in uh, meet up in person. I would like that. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day, Jeannie. You too. There you have it. The race car driving future powerlifting Jeannie McCarville. I had a great time talking with Jeannie. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. If you like the podcast, please give it a follow. If you have any questions or feedback, please use the link above in the bio to shoot me a quick voice message. I would love to hear from you. In next week's episode, I'll be speaking with Jay from Lean Feast. Lean Feast is a meal prep service. They take all the guesswork out for you so you can keep moving the needle in the right direction when it comes to your nutrition. When life gets busy, our nutrition usually suffers. And that doesn't have to be the case when you utilize a service such as Lean Feast. So I'm excited for you to listen to Jay talk about what they do and how it could benefit you moving forward. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and have a great rest of your day.